Our second reading for today comes to us from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. The next day, the crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he was, uh, had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees that said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I've come to this hour. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, if you've been worshiping with us through Lent, you know that we've been taking a journey through the last week of Jesus. The narrative lectionary has taken us through the past five weeks through different events of the last week of Jesus, with last week culminating with Pilate sending him to be crucified. And then today is kind of like a needle scratch. Today we, we jump out of time. It reminds me of the beginning of the movie Thor Ragnarok. If you haven't seen it yet, it starts with Thor in a cage, imprisoned by some giant fire demon. And he looks at the camera and says, I'm sure you're wondering how I came to be here. And you can almost see Jesus, you know, we're following the story of him throughout the final week. You can almost see him stopping after the uh, sentenced to crucifixion, looking at the camera and saying, I'm sure you're wondering how I got here. And then it jumps back to Palm Sunday. We jump back to the beginning of the week where it all started. 
It reminds me of how many TV shows, uh, The Walking Dead come to mind, will be coming, building towards a climax. And then they'll stop and they'll focus on one character in the past to show how they've gotten where they are. And that's what we have today. Last week, Jesus is sent to his crucifixion. Now we stop and go back to the beginning of week and see Jesus entering into Jerusalem. We see the crowds cheering for him. And we know it's a huge crowd. In John's gospel, this follows immediately after Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. If you want to get a crowd of followers, raise somebody from the dead. That gets people's attention. We know it's a large crowd because the Pharisees look at each other and say, what can we do? The whole world goes after him. And they're there waving their palm fronds, throwing down their cloaks, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord. Last week, if you went anywhere, you were aware that the March for Our Lives took place in Washington and in many other major cities. In the week building up to it, I was reading articles about it, and I read an interview with the police, chief of police for D.C. And the interviewer said, well, is this safe for us to take our children to? And the chief said, absolutely. I would allow my own children to go. It's safe. This is Washington, D.C. We have marches and parades all the time. We don't always have them of this caliber, but we are used to events like this. And I thought of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was used to marches. Jerusalem was used to parades. Jerusalem was used to triumphant entries. In fact, it's said that as Jesus was entering through one gate, Pilate was entering through the other. And the two marches are contrasted. Jesus high on a mighty, or Pilate high on a mighty war horse, Jesus on a lowly donkey. But one thing we forget, or we don't often address, is why were they waving palm fronds? Where does that come from? And if you look in Jewish history, it traces back to the Maccabean Revolution. In 167 BC, the Seleucid dynasty had conquered the Jewish people. And they were beginning to outlaw Jewish religious rights. So a family known as the Maccabees, led by Judah Maccabee, who had a great nickname, The Hammer, and his brother Simon led a revolution against the Seleucid dynasty. And in 163 BCE, they were victorious and they recaptured the citadel of Jerusalem, better known as David's Tower, from the armies. And they celebrated by waving palm fronds. They celebrated by crying Hosanna and celebrating that the armies, invading armies had been vanquished. And so the idea of palm fronds came to mean a military leader who would overthrow an oppressor. And the crowds gathered in Jerusalem, which was occupied by Roman forces. And they heard of Jesus, who would be king of the Jews, the son of David. And they assumed that he would overthrow the Roman oppressors. So they waved palm fronds and they shouted, Hosanna, save us, king of Israel. And if you notice, they shout Hosanna and then 
Jesus gets the donkey. If you notice, they shout Hosanna, and then Jesus decides his mount that he'll enter into. He thinks back to the prophet Zechariah, who foretold the king would come on a donkey, not because he was a conquering king, but because he was a peaceful king. Jesus is declaring that he is not the king that they were expecting. He is not the king they were hoping for, but he is a different type of king. Not one that's going to throw over the throw off the oppression of the Roman people, but one that's going to throw off the oppression of sin for all people. And it's not what the Jewish followers or the disciples expected. On previous Palm Sundays, I've explored and wondered how many people from that crowd that shouted Hosanna were also in the crowd before Pilate that shouted, crucify him. But as I was preparing for this week, I wondered about the disciples. And not if they were there before Pilate, but that they were there as he entered into Jerusalem and that they were not there at the cross that most of them had fled. John was there, but most of the others had scattered. And I wondered if this is because Jesus did not meet their expectations. Because Jesus wasn't the type of king they expected. And I think we all create Jesus. We all interpret Jesus through our own lens through our own ideas. We all put expectations on Jesus. And because we're fallible, broken people, sometimes our hopes, sometimes our expectations, sometimes what we believe is not who Jesus was. We fail to see the real Jesus. Just as the disciples did. The disciples expected a triumphant king who would come and conquer the Romans. They waved palm fronds saying, this is our conquering king. I saw Gladys folding her palm frond into a cross. Marva was doing it earlier. And I think that's beautiful. We take the symbol of the conquering king and we turn it into the symbol of the king that would die for us. The king that would die on the cross. And conquer not the Romans, but conquer sin and death. He's a king, but not the king that the disciples and the Jewish people expected. My question to you is what will you do when your expectations of Jesus don't match up to who Jesus really was? Will you betray him as Judas did? Will you deny him as Peter did? Will you doubt him as Thomas did? Or will you abandon him like so many of the other disciples? Friends, we must get to know the real Jesus. We must be open to the truth. We must look for the answers. I read an article this morning about a man named Mike Hughes. 
Mike Hughes believes that the earth is flat. This has been a thing lately, flat earthers, people that believe that the earth is not round, but it's, it's frisbee shaped. Now, Mike went through great dedication to prove this. In his garage, he built a rocket. And this is not the first rocket he built, but it's been his most successful one. And he went out in the desert and he got a trailer and converted it into a launch ramp and locked him, launched himself 365 feet into the air. He didn't go as high as he hoped. He wanted to go up so high to prove to himself that the earth was flat. And, and I admired this article because he said, I believe it's flat, but I don't know for sure. That's why I want to go to find out for sure to prove it for myself. And I wonder what happens if he ever builds, uh, uh, when he recovers, he had parachutes. He, he, he had two parachutes because the first one was, he's still falling too far. And he said he's just very sore and will be laid up for a few days. And plans on building, a, 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 what do you call it, a raccoon, which is a half rocket, half balloon that will float up and then launch. What happens to his beliefs when he sees that they weren't everything he thought they were? What happens to our beliefs when we see that Jesus isn't everything we thought he was? Or different, what if we see that Jesus is even more than we thought he was? What happens when we find out that our expectations of who Jesus Christ are and who he really was don't match up? When we see we don't really understand what it means to be the incarnate God. To be Emmanuel, God with us. What happens when we can't understand what it means to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the world? To come not conquering an army, but giving of yourself so that others may live. After the triumphant entry, some Greeks go up to Philip. They probably figured he's got a Greek name. He probably speaks Greek. Let's go to him. He could be our in. And they say, we want to see Jesus. And as we celebrate Jesus entering into Jerusalem, as we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week, as we continue to march towards the cross and the crucifixion with Jesus Christ, that should be our request. That should be our prayer. We want to see Jesus. We want to see who Jesus really was. We want to know what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. And hopefully when that doesn't meet what we've created in our mind, when Jesus isn't the exact person we've constructed, hopefully we're still able to shout, Hosanna. Hopefully we still celebrate his entry into Jerusalem and his entry into our lives. Hopefully we are still faithful followers of the Jesus who was and is and ever shall be. Amen.